today we're talking to John Murdy, who works for Universal Studios. I'm going to get him to tell you a little bit more about his job and what his actual role is. So, John, hello. And can you tell us a bit about what you do? Sure. Um, I'm basically scare people for a living <laughs> professionally. I'm a creative director, executive producer of uh, Halloween Horror Nights, which is a seasonal Halloween event held every year at the Universal Studios Hollywood theme parks. And I specifically work for the park at Universal Studios Hollywood. So I spend all year uh, making deals with different um, movie studios to license their film properties so that we can bring them to life in what I call a living horror movie. So it's a live experience. It's a separate ticketed experience. So after the daytime theme park ends, people buy a ticket and come tonight for Halloween Horror Nights. And we create um, what some people call haunted houses. I call them haunted attractions. But they're live representations, usually of movies or television shows um, done with live actors. But the, the goal is to try to make you feel as if you've stepped into a horror movie and now you're living the experience. And it's something that we plan and develop and work on and produce year-round. Okay, that sounds very interesting. Uh, and sounds like there's a lot of work behind it all. Yeah. Um, what, well, how long have you been doing this and how do you get into something like that? Or Yeah, it's, it's when I was a kid, there was no college to go for, to for something like this. You couldn't major in, you know, building haunted attractions or you couldn't do any kind of study in what we call the themed entertainment industry, which is, uh, you know, ride shows, attractions produced for theme parks worldwide. Um, so uh, I started doing this when I was 10 years old. I started, you know, Halloween is very big in America. So I started building haunted houses for the neighborhood kids in my parents' house until I Fantastic. outgrew my, my father's patience. Eventually one Halloween, um, you know, he looked out the window and there was like 200 kids lined up to go through his house. And he just looked at me and said, you have to find another way to do this because we can't keep doing it this way. Um, so, you know, I, college wise, I was a theater major, specifically an acting major. Um, and I think that's a very common thing that that students will find as they move forward into college and and into their professional life is that what you start out doing often changes. Um, so when I went into college, um, I had a full scholarship for acting. So I wanted to be a, an actor. And about halfway through college, I got into writing and I started producing my own plays. And um, and then when I got out of college, I needed a job and I needed a job that allowed me some flexibility to do plays or audition for other things, but also um, a job that might be able to get me into the entertainment industry. So I became a tour guide for Universal Studios on the studio tour back in 1989. And I essentially just worked my way up the ladder. And I've been with Universal now for over 25 years in this go run. Okay. Ah, that sounds fantastic. And it, as, as you said, uh, you got into this not by this was what you had gone to college to do. It was something that you ended up doing. And it's great that you've worked your way into it. And obviously, starting at 10 years old, it's never too early to follow your passions. Which yeah. Definitely an important thing there. Um, so what would a typical day at work look like for you? Well, it's very different now because now I live in Ireland. Um, about my, my wife is from Ireland and about three years ago, we moved the family here. So, um, and, and it was 
kind of interesting because now everybody's working remotely and working from home because of the pandemic. But, you know, I, I started doing that uh, much earlier than that. Um, and I, because so much of what I do is a writer, um, every single attraction that we create for Halloween, um, I write a creative treatment and those are generally about a hundred pages each. So every year I write the equivalent of war and peace in terms of, you know, a really long novel, like in terms of actual pages. Um, but what it is, is it's, it's kind of the blueprint for what we're going to create. It's, it's both a narrative so people can read it and understand what the guest is going to experience, but it's also a technical breakdown of every single thing we need to create or build this attraction, lighting, the scenic elements, props, costumes, makeup, audio. It's all kind of spelled out in this document. So because I spend so much time of the year writing, um, I was able to, to move back to Ireland where my wife is from and work remotely. And then I go back and forth to Los Angeles as needed. Um, when I'm writing, it's, that's pretty much what my day consists of is, is getting up and, you know, if, if I'm working on a horror movie, uh, the first thing I have to do is I have to um, watch it over and over again. I'm like the worst person to actually watch a movie with when I'm working on it yeah. because okay. it takes me about eight hours to watch a movie because I have to stop every few seconds and write notes and, oh, there's a great sound effect at, you know, 10 minutes and 22 seconds into the movie. And I have to document everything. Um, and then I'll, I'll go through what's called the location photography for a film. And when they're making a movie, there's always a photographer or a television show on the set at all time. And they're constantly taking pictures and documenting everything. Um, on, on a given movie, there might be 40,000 pictures. So I'll, I'll okay. be going through 40,000 <laughs> pictures and trying to select the pictures that I need for my art department so they could build the sets or the makeup artist for the makeup or the costumer for the costumes. Um, so I do a lot of research and a lot of writing. Um, I also make all of the deals. So I'm often you know, working with different filmmakers or movie studios and trying to license the properties. I also... I'm the spokesperson for the event, so I do all of the interviews and publicity. So um, once we get into production, my days change greatly. I might be one minute doing lighting and then run out and do a interview for some TV show and then run back in and do audio and you know later work with actors. So every every day when we're in production is very different. So you wear a lot of hats. A lot of hats and a lot of juggling. Yeah. Um, okay. So. You're saying you did writing and you do production. How long, on average, would you say you spend on each within, I suppose, throughout the year? Uh, uh, yeah, generally, the way it is now, um, because the event has gotten so big, um, about two weeks after we open the event, I start actually writing the next year. So I will have, you know, months before that, I already lined up all of the different properties that we're going to be dealing with. So I'll typically write from maybe the middle of September to, you know, maybe as late as April. <laughs> so I spend a good chunk of the year, you know, producing, writing all this material and putting it all together and doing other things at the same time. Okay. Um, and then production generally starts up at a, in May and that's like actual physical construction. And that'll go to, you know, shortly before we open, which is usually September and then you know, it, it's kind of a never, I call it the never ending mm -hmm. cycle of horror because <laughs> it, okay. it never ends. You just go from one thing into the next and you're often working on two years at the same time. 
Okay, you wouldn't need to scare easily then. <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, it, it's funny because uh, my performers, we have a lot of performers who come back year after year after year to be in the mm -hmm. event, even though it's just a seasonal job. And uh, they take great pride in if they're able to get me, you know, to jump or react. Um, <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. They, do, they get me all the time. Okay, that's good. Um, so obviously you said you have your performers and you have your photographers and camera people. Do you manage those people as well? Or is there someone else in that is responsible for managing the other nope. people? on the job <laughs> yeah there's a lot of different disciplines involved um, mm -hmm. my main partner is our art director production designer and mm -hmm. he and i will generally create do the initial creative development between the two of us uh, because i've been working with him for uh, we started working together on a different project in 2001 so you know 20 years we've known each other and worked with each other yeah. um, and what i've found is that um, we complement each other's skill sets very well. Uh, he was actually a fine art major in college, another okay. example of how things change. Um, but he's been doing this type of thing in the theme park industry for longer than just about anybody I know as far as building Halloween events. Mm -hmm. um, so his skills are in scenic design, art direction, uh, things like fabric, <laughs> you know, okay. like not only for costumes, he, he knows more about fabric than any person that I've met. Uh, you know, but also for drapery or, you know, for wallpaper, you know, all these things that you mm -hmm. wouldn't think of that go into a production like this. Um, whereas, you know, my skill set is more in, you know, uh, writing, uh, directing actors. Uh, we both have a lot of knowledge of makeup, so we tend to work together on that. We both have a fair amount of experience with lighting. So we'll be directing all of those things, but there's departments under us that are responsible for audio or lighting or makeup or costumes. Uh, so we work with all of the department heads, but we're, we're the two people directing it all. Uh, okay. We're the so people that create it all. You have to be good at uh, delegating and organizing as well, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, delegating and, um, you know, delegating, you really have to trust the people that you are working with to do a good job because. Um, Very true. Sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but, but the main thing is you have to be really good at communicating what you want. And that's why the, the material that I write, I take so long and it's so detailed because um, I don't want any ambiguity. I want it all on the paper. So if you, um, if you actually read what I write and, and you look at the drawings that Chris and his team generate, it's all spelled out there. Everything is there. Um, so there's no room for error, really. No, but there's still errors, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure but, it happens. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works. We, we direct all the other departments. Okay. Um, so if there was someone interested in a similar role or something in the production side of things, what, have you any tips that you would give them or what recommendations would you give them? 17, 18-year-olds to follow yeah. to do. Um, you know, my, it's funny. My father gave me advice when I was starting out, and I should preface this by saying that my father doesn't have a creative bone in his body. He's a, he's a businessman, and he spent his entire career working for the same 
company and and he's still he's in his mid 80s and he's still working three days a week and he's uh, been working for the same company I've worked for 25 years for Universal but he's got me beat he's he's worked 60 six zero years for the same company okay but when I was starting out you know he all his kids went into the arts for the most part my two brothers are both professional musicians Uh, my sister's in social services but you know a lot of his children wanted to go into very risky careers that there wasn't a real clear path on, oh, if you just go to school and you do this, you'll get this kind of job. Mm -hmm. Um, So the advice he gave us, even though he couldn't give us practical advice about you need to do this to get your career, what he he told us all and what proved to be absolutely true and the advice I continue to give today is whatever you do in life, do it to the best of your ability because... Um, and it doesn't matter what that job is at the time, um, because quality rises to the surface and people will notice that. And that's how you'll move ahead. And that can be applied to any career, any job, any aspiration. Um, when I look back on the arc of my career and there were many, many times where I hit a you know, stumbling block and I didn't know whether I needed to go left or right. Um, sure. It was because somebody I previously worked for recommended me that gave me the next opportunity that allowed me to go forward and try to get to where I was um, going. So that's like the most essential basic advice. Um, And it's, I mean, it's so true. And it sounds really like simple, but there are so many people that don't do that. (laughs) And, you know, if if you're in a position where somebody's asking you to make a recommendation for them, for another job, you will not make that recommendation unless you are absolutely certain that that person is not going to embarrass you. You know what I mean? Very Um, true. So that's just real basic career advice. But, you know, these days there's a lot of colleges that are starting to specialize in what we call, again, themed entertainment design. And that would be schools like Art Center um, in Pasadena or uh, CalArts, which is also in California. But there's other colleges that actually do have a program now that you can study. Um, but the main thing is just get experience anywhere you possibly can, even if it's for free. Um, if yeah. you wanna learn filmmaking, you have a device that I'm holding in my hand right now called an iPhone. You know, mm-hmm. make a movie on an iPhone. Um, you know, you can get free software for iMovie to edit that movie, teach yourself how to edit. Teach yourself as many skills as you possibly can. Um, just so that you have a familiarity with a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, in general, it, you need experience to be able to get to, to you know, a position in, in the entertainment industry. And that experience can come from, you know, anywhere. You just need to start doing it. Okay. Good advice. And as you said, you started at 10 years old, so yeah. weren't taking any chances at all. No. <laughs> um, no, well, really, it, it was great to hear what you do on a daily basis and how you got there. And do you enjoy your job? Yes. <laughs> Funny. I think like, um, you know, the, the with anything you do creative, uh, if, you, if you do it for a career and you get paid for it, it's much different from than doing it just for the love of it. You know, mm-hmm. I would probably have done some level of what I do whether I had a career or not. Like I mentioned, I, I was doing this when I was 10 years old. Before I I did this big Halloween event, I used to throw these crazy elaborate Halloween parties and 
you know, decorate whatever house, apartment, wherever we were living at the time. So I, so I always had a passion for it. Um, what often happens to creative people, and it happened to me, and I think it happens to just about every creative person, is sometimes you lose sight of the fact that there's this thing called a business, <laughs> you know? Okay, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in general, a business is going to want to spend the least amount of, doesn't matter what business it is, it's going to want to spend the least amount of money to get the most amount of money back, you know? Yeah. That's just the way economics work. So it, I think when you're first starting out and you have, I, I remember this back, you know, in my early days when I was, before I was uh, doing what I currently do, I was a, a ride designer and I created, you know, theme park attractions all over the world. And I remember, I think I wrote 40 different, you know, concepts for different attractions before I ever had anything produced. And I remember that being like really disappointing. Like you create a lot of stuff that no one will ever see because it costs so much money to produce it. Yeah. Um, so you have to have a, a lot of resilience um, and you also have to not take it personally. You know, uh, it, it's when you create something, whether you're a writer or a musician or an actor or anything, it's so much a part of, of you that you're putting out there. Um, and those disappointments, you take them really personally, you know, it mm -hmm. hurts you personally. Um, so it's really important to, to learn that you're going to be disappointed a lot of the time. It's now it's very different because, you know, most of the stuff that I write is going to get produced, but yeah. even so every year, there'll be two or three things that I start working on that I really want to do that don't happen for one reason or another. Um, okay. so it's, it's that resilience and, and, and understanding that it's all, at the end of the day, it's a business and you have to kind of acknowledge that to survive within it. Yeah, okay, no, good advice. Um, well, thank you very much. I won't hold you up very much longer because I know there's a time difference and you have things to do. Go back but to writing, yeah. Go back to writing again, yes. Um, it's been great talking to you and hopefully I will see you again soon. <laughs> um,